Don't want to get our notes mixed up. Well, today we conclude our journey through the Gospel of, of Luke. And um, ultimately, the, the point of the book of Luke is, and what we'll see in our passage, is that God wants to give you your heart's desire. God wants to give you your heart's desire. And I fully believe that. But I think the problem is, and what we'll see in our passages, do you know what your heart truly desires? Do you you know for for what your soul truly longs? What what is the, the depth of your soul that you truly want? But we'll, we'll see in our, our passage, Jesus interacts with a couple of his followers. You know, how he reveals to them not only their heart's desire, but how he fulfills the very desire of their soul. Now, um, passage uh, today is uh, the, the end of Luke. It's found on page 860. It starts with verse 13 of chapter 24, and uh, it's, it's Easter Sunday, yeah, so it's early on Easter Sunday, and we've had a couple folks go to the tomb and see that it's empty, some angels have said Jesus is alive, so those things are going on, but we're, we, we join here with a couple of Jesus followers who are lost in the confusion and chaos of that morning. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, thank you for your written word that does speak to us of your living word, of you alive and intimate with us. Speak to us now. Help us to hear you. Help us to to see you. Give us the right vision, the right attention, so that we might truly engage with you and we come in contact with the one who is our very heart's desire. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Alright, uh, a rather lengthy passage, but tells the story of Jesus, of these two guys and Jesus' um, uh, connection with them and um, on this Easter Sunday. Now, on the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. 
Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished. From their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so the, these, these two guys, and we know one of their names, Cleopas. I love that. You know, that just sort of this random guy, Cleopas, just like, you and, just like you and me. You know, I mean, we're just this random, regular people following after Jesus. And these guys now, are the two of them are just aimlessly walking to Emmaus. We don't, we don't know if they, they have work that day. I mean, it's Monday morning. I mean, Sunday in first century is Monday, is our Monday, right? And so that's the, the, they were, maybe they're walking to work, maybe they're walking home, maybe it was just a nature walk. I mean, who knows what they were doing? But they were distraught. They were sad. They were confused, the, the text tells us. Um, and they, in their conversation with Jesus, they, they, they say in verse you know, 21, you know, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. You see, they, they thought that, that, that real peace, that real joy, you know, that real success and celebration was going to come through political victory and the, the liberation of their nation. Those are good things. You know, political victories and liberation of their nation. There's a lot of good things we're going to see that Jesus does, but that's not their heart's desire. That is not what's going to bring them peace. They, they thought it would, and they, they, they were short-sighted even in their goals. That, that God was coming in Jesus not just to liberate Israel, but to liberate the whole world. But it was going to happen in their very soul first, not just in their their lives as well. They, they wanted, Cleopas and his buddy, they wanted to be freed from Roman rule. I mean, those guys needed to get out of office. How many times have you heard that? And then their lives would be great. 
You know, it's always interesting to me in an election year, every time seems like uh, in an election year, you know, that the, the candidates, well, one of them's going to be the, the savior of the world and the other one's the devil himself. You know, I've been through enough elections now to know that eh, neither one has ever happened. And uh, this year I'm not sure I hear much of that savior stuff um, going, going on. But what the key is, it, it, the circumstances of our lives are not where we find our heart's desire. The, the events in our there, there's good things that happen that we want to celebrate, but you know, they are not our heart's desire. You know, the, the Olympics, you know, so we celebrate the Olympics and gold medals and all the rest, but you know, by next week we'll be saying, all right, who's going to win the next one? It's fleeting, that kind of success. And it's fleeting to say, well, if I just get out of this mess, right, then, then everything will be all right, right? You know, if I just get over this hill, well, i got news for you. On the other side of this hill is a curve. You know, and around this, well, I just get around that curve. Well, around that curve is another hill. It's just the, the nature of life. And if in circumstances we're trying to find our heart's desire, we're going to be disappointed. It never satisfies to the depth of our soul. A great little quote from Thomas Merton. He says, Nobody, we, we don't find peace by rearranging our circumstances. We don't find peace by rearranging the circumstances of your life, but by realizing who you are at the deepest level. Who you are at the deepest level. That goes back to the point. What truly is your heart's desire? God knows it. God's created you with that desire. All right, so so these, these guys, they're, they're on the scene. They're, they're, they're walking away from the, the scene of the resurrection. I mean, you see how they're, they're really lost. They're really disappointed. They are not, they're not getting this. In a way, they've been disappointed by God. What they thought God was going to do through the Messiah isn't happening. And you would think if they heard the stories they would, about the tomb being empty, you know, that Jesus was being raised, don't you think you'd go to the tomb? Don't you, wouldn't you go, at least go check it out? Not, not these guys. I mean, they're, they're so distraught. They were so tied to these particular events that God was supposed to do. And it wasn't that they were bad events. I mean, they were good things, but it's not what they ultimately had, had hoped for. And we see that in the Scriptures periodically, right? John the Baptist, remember he ended up in jail and beheaded. He didn't want to be there. And he didn't get why he was there. I'm sure Stephen, who was the first deacon... He didn't understand how he ended up in the bottom of a hole with a bunch of rocks being thrown on him until he died. You know, and Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, take this cup from me. He wanted to avoid the, the cross. Oh, but God had greater plans for the world and for them. And God knew that their circumstances, even in times when they're so atrocious, are not ultimately their heart's desire. And I've got to wonder and feel for the, the millions of Christians throughout the Middle East and throughout the world, you know, who've been forcibly removed from their homes with their families and other parts of the, the world now, wondering, like these two, 
You know, what's God doing? Maybe you're in the same place in the circumstances of your life wondering, what is God doing? Well, but God, as Andrea said at the beginning, What's the most powerful picture in this passage is that these guys are wandering away, wandering what's going, and who shows up on the journey? Who shows up on the path but Jesus? If you hear nothing else from this passage, see this. They're not seeking Jesus. Jesus is seeking them. They're sort of wandering aimlessly and Jesus comes alongside them just like He wants to come alongside each one of us. I mean, they're they're sad, they're meandering, they're lost, they're not seeking Him, but Jesus goes to seek them. You know, if I'm Jesus, I'm like, yeah, show up, show me some gumption here. I mean, you guys show up at the tomb, hang out, go, come look for me. I mean, I'm the one that just died, suffered and died, and now I've been raised, so you guys need to come for me. But no, they're wandering. But it's the very character, it's the very nature of Jesus. We see this throughout Luke, throughout the Scriptures, that He seeks after us like a shepherd who's lost a sheep, who leaves 99 and searches forever to find one and throws a party when he does, or like a a woman who's lost a coin and she sweeps and looks under everything. No rock is unturned until she finds that rock and then rejoices. That's the character of Jesus. He is the one who seeks after us. Romans 5.8 that I shared last week. But God shows His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So even though these two are meandering, sort of lost and moping, the risen Christ is following after them and coming alongside them and again patiently walking with them. Desmond Tutu, Bishop of South Africa, has a great phrase. He says that he's a, he's a prisoner of hope. No matter if he even tries to get rid of his hope, he can't because of the faithfulness of the risen Christ in his life as one who has endured apartheid in the very upheaval of his own nation. And he refused, he can't let go of that hope because it's the very character of Jesus who seeks after us. And, and note this. Note the first thing that he does here is he listens. Do you note that? I mean, the first thing that he does with it, he doesn't come and then say, hey, here you go. Here's the word. I mean, he does. He gives them you know, the word later. But the first thing, so what are you all talking about? You know, what things have been going on? You know, is Jesus coming alongside you and simply just saying, hey, what's going on in your life? What's going on in your life? Tell me. Tell me honestly and openly. And and you know, it's it's not like Jesus doesn't know. Yeah, you ever, you know, isn't that one of the craziest things about prayer? Aren't you tempted at times to say, I'm not going to pray because God already knows what I'm praying about. You know, but that's not the point. It's not the point for you to tell God so that you'll inform God of something He doesn't know. The important thing here, if you haven't gotten it yet, it's about relationship with the living God. That's your heart's desire. That's how you were created. You were created to be in relationship with Him, to, to walk with Him. When's the last time you just talked to Him? 
I went to the uh, Willow Creek Leadership Summit um, uh, last Thursday and Friday. And, and it's one of those drinking, for the proverbial drinking from a fire hydrant, you know, kind of things where they just bring high-powered speaker after high-powered speaker at you. And, you know, you're just taking notes. You've got all kinds of notes in your phone and all the rest. And then... Um, and you know, and for this one, to show you a little bit of the leadership center, they did this radical thing during this time. They took three periods of silence. Each one of them lasted two minutes. You know, and they almost apologized for taking that total six minutes of silence before God. Yeah, but in that, it was in that two, in those six-minute periods, for me, it all of a sudden, boom. Just the, the the Lord just just spoke, and and within that first to me it was here here are three things, you know that because the question was what are you dissatisfied with? And at the time I'm like I don't know that I'm dissatisfied with anything. Closed my eyes, sat with the Lord. Said well here, boom boom boom. Here, here they are. It was like whoa, where'd that come from? When's the last time you just sat with the Lord and said, here's what's going on in my life? And heard Him say, what are y'all discussing? What's happening? So, but, so first, he, he, he listens to them. And, and then, He... You know, I can't imagine a better Bible study. Then Jesus now saying, all right, well, here's from Moses to the prophets. You know, so the Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Here's the Bible study of, of, about me to let you know so that, that what happened is exactly what God had planned. You know, what, what was horrific in your eyes, God has a plan and is bringing it out. And here is why. You know, I wonder, maybe he went to Genesis, you know, and, uh, written by Moses. You know, in Genesis 3, when he talked about, you know, the, there was the temptation. You know, the serpent had made Adam and Eve um, eat from the tree of, of life. And, and God had said, um, you know, dis- disobeyed God. And, and in chapter 3, he, he tells them, that uh, I will put hostility between the serpent and the woman, between the serpent's children and her children. And he, this, the, the child of Eve, will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So even in that third chapter, the very beginning of the Bible, there's already the seed of good news that evil is going to be destroyed. Well, evil will have its impact. It will strike you on the heel. But one is coming who will cut off your head, who will destroy evil. Maybe, maybe he started there and then, then moved into Deuteronomy where Moses is saying that the Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from among your own brothers and you must listen to him. So Moses is saying another one is coming, prophet greater than me, pointing ahead. And then, and then to Isaiah. It says the Lord himself will give you a sign in chapter 7 of Isaiah. The virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. God with us, what Emmanuel means. Virgin having a child, and his name will be God with us. And then maybe, then he lands on Isaiah 53, a couple verses 
talking about this one to come, that he was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like one people turned away from. He was despised, and we did not value him. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a sheep silent before his shearers, he did not open his mouth. Maybe maybe he went to Isaiah, and then maybe closed it off with Zechariah chapter 12. I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the house of David and the residents of Jerusalem, and then they will look at me whom they pierced, They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly for him as one weeps for firstborn. Maybe something like that. It just presents. This this has been God's plan, the suffering and death of the Messiah for the salvation of the world. Can you imagine what that study would have been like? But their eyes still weren't opened. See, just like circumstances are not your heart's desire, whatever the circumstances might be, neither is knowledge. Some people will say knowledge is the key. Now, knowledge is good, right? So do your homework. I just sent my third uh, to college yesterday. You know, so how many tens of thousands of dollars do we believe in knowledge? That it's, it's important, but it is not the key. Even when Jesus himself is doing the Bible study, that's still not what awakens their soul. That's still not their heart's desire. Education, knowledge is not the key. And and the reason is because we humans are dense. (laughs) We are selfish. We are weak. We We are weak in faith. It's not a matter of knowledge, of knowing something. It's a matter of obedience. It's a matter of doing it. It's a matter of living with Jesus. That's why Jesus says so much to them. You know, in the, right before he gives them the teaching, you know, he says to them, Oh, how foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. It's not knowledge. It's not a head thing. It's a soul thing. Truly trusting, believing, and obeying. And then then at the end, what happens at the end? Well, this is when their heart's desire is now fulfilled. They say to Jesus, Hey, Jesus, stay with us. Stay the night with us. And then what happens? Jesus is with Cleopas and his buddy, and there they have table fellowship with one another. They break bread with each other, which in the first century was a time of, of meaningful relationship, of sharing life, sharing secrets, sharing meaning and purpose in life. And this, this is what it means to know Jesus, not to know about Him, but to know Him in your own living relationship with the living God. And it's here... It's here that their eyes are opened. It's there, it's there that the, their soul receives and engages with the living God as their friend. It's crazy. This is the radical truth of the New Testament that Jesus now, God in the flesh, becomes friend, that through Him we are friends with God. 
It's in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, You are my friends if you do what I command. It's chapter 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. See, it's, it's Jesus that said, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm coming alongside you. It's in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, a famous passage that we hear a lot. We think of it in terms of evangelistically, but Jesus is talking to the church. He's talking to us. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. This is the radical truth of the New Testament, that Jesus is our friend. It means our Lord, He's our Savior, He's our teacher, He's our rabbi, He's God with us, and He calls us friend. The way for us to experience that is in obeying Him, in spending time with Him, in silence, in prayer, in the Scriptures, in gathering with other people who are seeking to follow with Him. I mean, there's no rocket science here. It's a simple thing. You've heard it over and over again. The challenge is, how do we help one another do it? How do we really, in the fullness of life, say no to things so that we can say yes to Jesus? Because I'm here to tell you, I don't care if it's education, I don't care whatever circumstance you're looking for, your heart will never be fulfilled unless it's in Him. So if you are saying, you know, what are you, where are you just like me and the things I'm dissatisfied in, and the reason I'm dissatisfied in those is because I'm seeking fulfillment in them instead of in Jesus. The deepest desire of your heart and the heart of everyone is to know Jesus. The lover, the creator and lover, the redeemer and the fulfiller of your soul. To know Him in real, intimate ways, in spiritual, supernatural ways through the power of God's Holy Spirit. That's the deepest desire of your soul, of my soul, of our souls together. So I'm going to steal from the leadership seminar. I just want to take a minute here. I just want to take a time of silence. I want you to consider what is your greatest desire? You know, what is your greatest desire? And, and give that to Jesus. And ask Him to show up in your life, to give you the vision to see Him. Because, I mean, He's there. The question is, do we have the vision to see Him? Do we have the heart to long for Him, the ears to hear Him? Let's take this time of silence. What is your greatest desire? And ask Jesus to show you what your greatest desire is.
Almighty God, we long to know you. We, we don't want just to know about you, but to know you, to walk with you in, in life. To engage whatever circumstances may be, whatever hill we're on, whatever curve we're taking, we want to do that with you. So we give ourselves to you. In this time, speak to us. Speak to us. And in each of our lives, what are the ways that we need to simply walk with you, spend time with you, to spend time with your people, to celebrate your love for us? Help us. Lord Jesus, we, we give ourselves to you. And we, we offer up ourselves as a whole, as a church. That we would be a people that are walking with, with you and helping one another. Being like the, the disciples at the end when we, we gather and just celebrate that you are risen, you are alive, you are real in our lives. Open our mouths, free our tongues, simply to share those stories. To encourage one another with how you are alive in our lives. And free us not just to share that with one another, but even to, to share it with those that, that don't know you. Lord, if there's anything we, we see in this, we know it's not by our might, it's not by our power, it's not by our strategy, but it's by your work in and through us. So we, we take this time and we surrender all that we are to you and we, we need your help, your work in us. Because we know that you, indeed, are the desire of our heart. And Almighty God, we, we take this time as, as well, and we lift up one another, and just for the, the circumstances in our lives that we want to change, whether it's physical healing, um, whether it's relationships in need of reconciliation, whether it's looking for work, looking for um, uh, housing, Whatever it might be, we, we offer them up to you. And we, we continue to, to offer up to you as um, some schools started last week, some schools start this week. And as uh, um, we, we pray for the, the, the all of education, that indeed you would be renewing our minds through that. You indeed would be taking every thought captive to Christ and that you would be pointing us not just to know you, but to, not just to know about you, but to know you. And to have intimate fellowship with you. Pray that for our students. They head back um, to school. And Almighty God, we pray that for our brothers and sisters around the world whose circumstances are so challenging, who've been forcibly removed from their homes because of claiming you as their Lord and Savior. Pray your hand and provision that you will indeed be seeking them and walking with them, that they would experience again the joy of the risen Christ, the risen Lord, being your friend in the midst of all kinds of disappointment and chaos. Now, Lord, hear us and as we come to you in one voice, seeking to be your church and without walls. Dear God, Make us into your community for your glory. 
Connect us in Jesus no matter our differences. Lead us to serve the world like Jesus no matter the cost. Help us to celebrate you no matter the circumstances. We need you, Holy Spirit, to empower us for greater works than Jesus. Amen.